Hello, teachers. Welcome to The Thing That We Do on Fridays. I'm Brother Lawson, and I'm here today with Brother Wing, Eric Lion Wing, but he won't be lying today. <laughs> Thanks for it. Yeah. I think everybody should know my middle name. Lion. L-Y-I-N apostrophe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Hebrew meaning that means <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> That's his love language. Many of you don't know. I know many of you are thinking about what Christmas gifts can we send to brother Brothers Lawson and, and Wing. And um, gifts really aren't our love language at all. Um Brother Wing's love language is leave me alone. So the best gift you can give Brother Wing is silent, the gift of silence. That's not, I mean, it's kind of true, but not totally true. (laughs) (laughs) What's your love language, Brother Lawson? What is my love language? I, I took that test once before. I think it was, um, I think it's quality time. Mm-hmm. which is totally opposite from you, which is probably why we get along so well. On Zoom. On Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Oh, poor Sister Blau. Poor, Sister Blau is the one that um, summarizes, like puts the timestamps on on these, uh, on what we talk about so people don't have to listen to the whole us the whole time. And I wonder, like, what she's going to put for the first three minutes of this podcast. Brothers Lawson and Wing talking about love, love languages. Yeah. Oh, we got more stuff to talk about. Happy December, by the way, to you, Brother Wing. Oh, thank you. Um, Not sure if you realize this, but this is the month that uh, Christmas takes place. Also, on Saturday, my daughter's coming home from her mission in the Philippines and... We get to study the book of Haggai and Zechariah all next week. Wow. I, I feel like one of those is more important than the other two. Oh, that's, I know you feel strongly about Haggai and Zechariah. And so let's jump right into that <laughs> and, and see uh, what we can help the teachers with here. So uh, let's set some context for the book of Haggai and Zechariah that take place around the same time, right? Uh, This is at the end of their Babylonian captivity. We've got um, uh, the Persian. Well, the Persians have come in, right? And King Cyrus, we're going all the way back to uh, Ezra days. King Cyrus, he's telling the Jews, hey, you can go back. Remember, who's the guy that went back to start working on the walls? What's that guy's name? Uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Remember him? Um, King Shire says, Hey, you guys can go back and start building Jerusalem back up. But oddly enough, after 70 years of being in captivity, they're like, Yeah, yeah, we'll get around to it. Right? They weren't they weren't just hustling back. Um, what do you think about that, Brother Wing? Why why do you suppose? Like, what wouldn't they be hustling? Why wouldn't they be hustling back to Jerusalem? Yeah, I mean, they probably have a lot of excuses, a lot of distractions. Have you ever, um, have you ever run in a race before, Brother Wing? Yeah, like a 5K or a marathon or 5K. something. How many marathons have you done? 
Oh, just a handful. If you had to choose a handful of marathons, holy cow, that's a lot of marathons. Um, if you had to choose between having a, a good start to a marathon or a good finish to a marathon, which would you choose? I guess I'd go with the finish. Yeah, right. So this was like initially when King Shire says, hey, you can go back to Jerusalem. You know, Nehemiah goes hustling out there and, and a bun- bunch of people do. They get a really good start but then they were struggling to finish, right? Good starts uh, are great, but good finishes might be even better. And that's where they were struggling. And so like Haggai and Zechariah, they were like cheerleaders. That's kind of how I look. They're kind of like cheerleaders for the children of Israel. Say, let's go, let's do this. Let's build the temple. Let's get back and and make this happen. Um, And so their messages, as as we read in Haggai, are... um, you can picture them on the sidelines with pom-poms and stuff and and just saying, let's do this. Let's make this happen. Let's get this thing going. So do you want to add anything to that background, Brother Wing? Yeah, I like it because, you know, what they're experiencing in a big way over years and decades of time, that's what we kind of experience pretty often throughout our lives in a micro way. Like we, we kind of stray we suffer consequences for it, but we recognize the Lord's mercy. We come back to him. But in that coming back, there can be some discouragements. There can mm-hmm. be some negative voices. There can be some attempts to try to like steer us off of course. You know, so we need every one of us every day, probably we need kind of like the voice of Haggai and Zechariah to kind of say, keep going, ignore that negative thought, stay focused, you know. Uh, get your priorities in line um, see the value and what can happen, you know, look ahead, you know, that there's all that kind of messaging that's coming through these two prophets. Yeah, absolutely. Our student, I love that you, I think t- teachers listening to what brother wing just said is going to be super important as you try to help your students see the relevance of the book of Haggai and Zechariah in their life as they, they have a journey to the temple that they're making. They have a journey to uh, important assignments that are that are waiting for them and covenants that are waiting for them and like brother wing said there are plenty of distractions and reasons to drag your feet uh through this so um so let's see then what haggai and zachariah what they do to to be cheerleaders for uh for the children of israel here all right so uh what do we see in Haggai, brother Wing, how would you how would we approach this with our scripture feasting? Yeah, so once um, the students kind of have that initial background, which you can you know you can give it to them, kind of like uh, like you did, but just let, let them know they're coming back from this Babylonian captivity and they're going to try to rebuild the temple. But I like if they can if you can point out to them the repeated phrase in verses five and seven, you know, of chapter one. Yeah. Just consider your ways. Um, and it might be worth it. You know, you can even kind of lift that um, out of its context and just kind of take that alone and just say, like, what what is, what's what does he mean by this? Probably, you know, and and then how could we use that? And then, you know, it kind of is repeated again in chapter two and verses 15 and 17, where it says, consider from this day and upward. Uh, 18 says, consider now from this day and upward. Um that it's worth kind of taking a step back and 
Like, think about this, like, think about your future and uh, make some considerations here and listen. Uh, that's going to, th- there's going to be some motivation that comes as you uh, follow that counsel to consider. Um, yeah. And what are some ways that people might consider? What are some things that teenagers would be blessed to consider, you know, and like, see what they have to say about that. I like that. Um, I think this is giving them that, that phrase, consider your ways is giving them an opportunity to, to maybe think about something that they haven't thought about. They've, they've had, they've been cruising through life with a certain amount of, you know, foresight. And we know oftentimes for teenagers and for us that, that maybe we're just looking day to day and we're not looking down the road. And if you look at verse two of, of Haggai chapter one, where uh, it says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, this people say, the time has not come. The time that the Lord's house, the time that the Lord's house should be built. But then in verse four, is it the, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and have this and this house lie in waste? Consider your way. So the Lord is just telling them, hey, I know what you're saying. You're saying it's not, it's not time. You know, you're doing other stuff. I'm telling you, it's time. You you make you make it happen. I I'm a bishop in my for my night job that I do. And um and one of the fun things I like to do with my young men is remind them, I say little things to remind them how close their missions are. And I'll say things like, oh man. It's crazy that your mission is only 375 days away. It's crazy that you'll be able to say, you know, in a month from now, when it's 2022 um, or 2023, you'll be able to say, hey, I'm going on a mission next year. And they'll look at me like, oh, no, I'm going on a mission in 20, uh, 2024. I'm like, yeah, next year is 2023. So the year after that will be 2020. And they'll be like, oh, my gosh. Wow, that's a lot closer than I thought. And so there's a that that uh injunction from the lord to consider your ways is hey take a step back and you're actually closer to the temple than you think you're actually closer to this time of preparation than you think and um so that's some good cheerleading going on there oh yeah it is it is true that they could they could take the whole chapter like read just read through chapter one and just look for how to get your priorities in line, you know, and they might notice that little connection there that mm-hmm. they've got their houses all night and nice and paneled. Yeah, they don't have their, they're not focusing on the temple. I think not you meant yet. sealed. I think you meant that their houses were nice and sealed. Oh, well, doesn't that mean like paneled up or? Oh, yeah, actually, I forgot that you spoke Hebrew. That's right. That's um, <laughs> paneled. You forgot my middle name is a Hebrew name. (laughs) And, uh, but then verse 13, they'll see that like what happens when you do get your priorities in line, you know, and there's a promise from the Lord uh, there that he will be with you, you know, and that he's with them in this effort. And so join forces with him, see things the way he sees things. um, And we kind of then have a great, a greater power to accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish and then that's where chap- that then blends into chapter two, uh, all of this encouragement that comes there in chapter two. So it's kind of like, get your priorities in line, chapter one. Okay, now what if you got your priorities in line, but you're f- feeling kind of discouraged? Mm-hmm. Here's chapter two to kind of encourage you, especially verses four through six, but there's a lot of other things in there and they could kind of look for that as well. 
Yeah, one of the things I think that was a concern of the children of Israel is that they're super poor, right? And they have they have heard stories. Maybe some of them were old enough to remember what the temple looked like before it was destroyed. And one of their concerns is, well, we can't build the temple because we're really poor and it's not going to look great. And the Lord says, I'm going to fill this house with glory. I'm going to accept this house. This is going to be a great place. And so I I really think that if you set up the, the background again, the, the context of this of this chapter is going to be so important for your students to really uh, get some meaning out of it. But I think that your students, if they read slowly and carefully, I think that they'll have a good time scripture feasting on chapters one and two, maybe even you might even be able to spend two days on Haggai. I know in our um, in our pacing guide, we just have that one one day, but you might, depending on your class, you might have a great experience in chapter one, and then you could do chapter two uh, the the next the next day. There's some really good stuff in chapter two and chapter one. What do you think, Brother Wing? Yeah, definitely. With there's that flexibility, you yeah. know. If you find that you have a great discussion about priorities in chapter one and you want to save chapter two later mm-hmm. and then you can kind of combine things with Zechariah. Yeah. And there's there's good stuff in chapter three to do or or I mean in chapter I was looking in Zechariah. We only have two chapters. You were like thinking I had a special chapter of Haggai oh, that you what, didn't. What version of the Bible are you using? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same one that I've got Joseph Smith history chapter two as well. A lot of people would like to hear that one. All right. All right. So you got anything else to say about Haggai? No. All right. So that takes us to Zechariah. For some reason, sometimes people get uh, confused that this Zechariah is the Zacharias in the Bible in the New Testament. This is a different guy. This is long before uh, Zacharias in the New Testament. Uh, the dad of and a totally different name than uh, John the Baptist's dad. But we again, he's a cheerleader with Haggai, right? He's really encouraging uh, uh, Judah to go back, take go back to Jerusalem, build this temple, uh, live a righteous life. Let's let's we got a fresh start uh, to to live in our lives again. All right, so brother Wing, take it away. How will we how are we scripture feasting on Zechariah? Okay, so. I would say to the students, as you start a lesson with Zechariah, like that first one, chapters one through six, you might say, ask the students if they've ever felt that God had forgotten them or even that he didn't love them. Like, have you ever felt like that before? You probably get some head nods, mm-hmm. probably don't want to ask for experiences. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> but just kind of acknowledge that that's a pretty common thing um, that we have all possibly felt at one time or another. And then let them know that this, the time of Zechariah came at a time when the Jews felt that God had forgotten them and their struggles. And Zechariah, who interestingly, his name means Jehovah remembers, um, he gets these eight different visions to restore hope and faith in God's love for them. And so it is like you said at the beginning, you know, these Zechariah is a great cheerleader, an encourager um, of them. And so once they know the kind of, I mean, parts of Zechariah are a little bit difficult to understand. It's just like a lot of the other rest of the Old Testament <laughs> there. But once they've got that framework, here's the whole focus here. It's to help us restore our hope and faith in God's love for us. They might be more motivated then to kind of go in there and 
feel it and see what's there. Uh, chapters one and two are pretty good, you know, for kind of seeing yeah. that God does love them and that there is good things to happen, you know, and they can lift their vision. Absolutely. I, I really like, I think uh, there is some, Zachariah is a visionary man. And so there's some, there's some of his visions in here that are going to be difficult. I I think just the first six verses, I think you might be able to get some of chapter one of Zechariah. I think might be fun to do some scripture feasting with um, as Zachariah is introducing his message. He uses the phrase, turn ye a couple of times in, uh, in those first six verses. You talk about another, another word for turn is repent. All right. And, and that might be, that might be a, a good opportunity for your students to learn about that. What does the Lord want me to know about repentance from the first six verses of Zechariah? That might be a good scripture feasting opportunity there. Yeah. I like that. Hmm. Let's see. Chapter so, three yeah. is also really cool, you know, and sometimes if, you know, if we're here at the end of the semester, if you felt like your students are kind of rolling with scripture feasting, they don't need a lot of help. They're kind of gotten into this and a rhythm for it. Then you might not need to do too much and like lead them into Zechariah. If they need a little more assistance, then uh, you could use Zechariah three for that. And one way to do this, you know how normally we go into the scriptures and we try to find principles that are taught in there. Uh, maybe if students need a little more help, you just give them the principle. You, you're like, here is what Zechariah 3 teaches. And then they, they kind of go backwards. Like now go in and figure out how these verses teach these principles. Right. So that gives them a little more guidance. So for example, chapter three, you could say um, through Christ's atonement, we can be protected from Satan and saved from sin. I think I'm pulling these statements directly out of the teacher manual, you know? And so just give them the bolded statement there and say, here is what's, here's what's taught. Another one is if we walk in the Lord's ways and keep our covenants, then we will be worthy to enter his presence. Like that's, that's verse out. seven. Yeah. That's, that's a great yeah. statement in verse seven. And so let them go into verses one through 10, like that whole chapter of chapter mm -hmm. three and, and point out that they're going to need some footnotes um, throughout there to kind of help them. But you could write those two statements on the board and then just say, figure out how this chapter teaches those two things. You don't think that the students will know what a fair miter is? <laughs> In verse it's five. pretty common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You know, I, right off the bat in chapter three, when it says I, Zachariah speaks about the Messiah, Zachariah is speaking about Jesus. You can have your students struggle with this a little bit and say, what is I? What is Zechariah teaching us about about Jesus in chapter three? And just have them go for it. All right, Joshua here. I'm not quite sure who Joshua is. I know he's a high priest. I'm not sure which Joshua he's talking about. He could be talking about Joshua back in Moses's time. He could be talking about some guy named Joshua that's a high priest right then. He could be talking about Jesus Christ, as uh, we know that Jesus is named Yeshua or Joshua. And so um, either way, we know that throughout the Old Testament, there's dual meaning to these prophets and dual uh, types. And so we might be able to learn a little bit about Jesus as we study this guy named Joshua. So excellent. Um, what's the next chapter you'd look at? So four through six, um, you know, 
he gets more visions, rebuild the temple, wickedness will be removed from the earth as part of the second coming. Um, I would summarize those. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, because I'd spend most of my time with the first three chapters there on that right. first day of Zechariah. Right. Yeah. Th- those ones are tough ones. The <laughs> four through six. Um, what about chapter seven? I like chapter seven. Chapter seven's good. Yeah. I'm loving chapter seven. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it talks about how, you know, the, they had mourned the loss of their land, you know, during this time of captivity, you know, and they're, they're interested about the rituals that they had and the, especially the fasting. And so they kind of have a question about that. And so it's super interesting to see, like, note their question and then note how the prophet answers their question. And I think that's kind of cool. Like we all have questions. And what if you had a question for president Nelson? Like, what is the question, first of all? And then how do you think President Nelson would go about answering that if he were in the room with you, you know? And in this case, you know, they, they have this question about fasting. And, um, and then he talks about what they were focused on in that fasting, you know? And, and they weren't really focused on the Lord uh, all the time. But I love, look at verse 7, chapter 7, verse 7. Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was in, was inhabited and in pros, prosperity? Um, and so this is kind of a call to scripture study. Like it's almost saying like, oh, you've got a question. Let's go back to scripture and find answers to that. Right. <laughs> well, Ed, now there's some, there's a revolutionary thought, you know, to do that. So I like chapter seven for that kind of case study on questions, prophets, and using scripture to find answers. Excellent. That's a good one. I like that for seven. You know, just as a side note, we did miss the, I mean, this is perfect time of year around Christmas time. We missed the Santa verse, right? That the students all love, you know, about the Santa Claus verse. Well, you're going to have to point this out to me. That's back in Zechariah chapter two, verse six. You can read that to us. Is this going to get me to believe in santa yes ho ho (laughs) yeah there it is come flee from the land of the north (laughs) did you see that flee from the land of the north (laughs) yeah um spread you abroad is the four winds of the heaven that's how he does it all in one night okay have you (laughs) have you ever been to lambert's before in in springfield missouri no You've never been to Lam- I've taken you to Lambert's where they where they throw rolls at you. Oh, um, I don't think I have actually. You know, the, so they throw rolls. They make these really great rolls and they throw them at you. And in chapter five, verse one is the Lambert's verse. So you Southwest Missouri people, your students will be excited about chapter five, verse one. A flying so, roll. Yep. Man, this is. Some great yeah, so scripture study. That's the end of the semester. If your kids are struggling, like if you just hold on to those teachers, like you hold on to those verses. If your kids are falling asleep, then you say, Hey, you guys, there's a Santa Claus verse, uh, or there's a Lambert's verse in here. And trust me, I know some of you teachers will do it and you'll be like, Thank you, Brother Lawson. Brother Wing adds so much more to my spirituality, but I appreciate these, <laughs> <laughs> these insights you share as well. No, these are very helpful, Good. especially Good. in December. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, what's another one you like? I kind of like chapter nine. Are you okay with chapter nine? Just because there's a great prophecy of the Savior fulfilled in Zechariah chapter nine. Now hold on just a minute. With oh, you chapter. you want to go back to eight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. What do you got in eight? Okay, so eight might be a cool little miniature feasting okay. um, to say, you know, he describes this joyful day, this relationship between him and Judah right. being restored. So what did the Lord say he would do for his people? Oh, yeah. And then and then there you go. Just have at it with this chapter yeah. and find a list of things that the Lord said that he will do for his people by his mighty power, you know, and then they might. They might then once they like you can make a list of this, you could have some student write it on the board. Um, but then like have them look for or, or identify times when they've seen the Lord doing this for them, whatever the thing right. is. Um, there's a whole slew of them there. I really like the end of chapter eight, actually, verses uh well, 18 to 23. It kind of gives me the idea when I was reading that, I was thinking about our teenagers and stuff in seminary. And I was thinking about the example that they set when they go to the great and spacious buildings that they go to every day, the high schools. And um, and this prophecy that's at the end of chapter eight by Zachariah is pretty awesome, where it says that people are going to grab on to, what does it say? Grab onto the skirt of him that is a Jew saying, we'll go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And um, I just heard an awesome story. I won't tell the awesome story because it's a super long story, but I heard an awesome story about a teenager that gave away a copy of the Book of Mormon the last day of his high school senior year. Eight years later, this girl who was an atheist in high school, eight years later, that girl cracked that Book of Mormon open, read the note that he had written to her, and she joined the church. Um, And so just because... And she said it was the note that he wrote um, and his testimony was that what drew him to drew her to read the Book of Mormon. So that's kind of what I thought of. I thought of our teenagers in verses 18 through 23 and just the example and how they're going to bring people along with them as they journey towards Jerusalem, their Jerusalem, their temples. So they're going to they're going to bring some along. I can't believe I almost missed chapter eight. Brother Wayne, I'm so glad you're here. What if I had to do this podcast by myself? I know. I ain't lying. Jeez. L-Y-I-N <laughs> apostrophe. Okay. Um, chapter nine. Um, we've got the prophecy of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, right? That's just kind of a, a neat little prophet. I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, obviously. Jesus read the scriptures. Well, Jesus um, inspired many of the scriptures in the Old Testament. But I love that Jesus sought to fulfill the prophecy that Zechariah had made. I think there's even pictures, uh, the gospel on uh, gospel library kit. You can find pictures of Jesus's triumphal entry where he where he comes comes into Jerusalem. That prophecy is found in verse nine, and um, that just might be something interesting to to show your students and talk about the importance of working towards fulfilling a prophecy. This was an intentional action by Jesus to fulfill a prophecy made by Zechariah. So, yeah. So this is good to point out to the students and like, give them that visual, maybe have them mark their scriptures in some way, but like 
say, note this, students, here we are at the end of this semester, but at the end of next semester, we're going to be talking about when this is actually fulfilled. Yeah. And so remember this somehow. Yeah. You know, and they yeah. can, the students can pick a way that they want to remember it. But if you give them a visual, suggest a marking, that might be enough. Yeah. There's some other great verses scattered in uh, in Zechariah 9. Would you, how, is there anything else you do in chapter 9? Yeah, I really like, I mean, I like, 9-9 nine, nine is the one we're talking about here, this yeah. triumphal entry part, but the rest of the chapter is really cool, you know? Yeah, down, yeah, after verse 9, yeah. Like what, what he'll even do for the heathen and the prisoners, mm-hmm. it says, and then just the way that his his goodness towards the people is described at right. the end of those verses. Like what does Jesus do for his people? Again, this is kind of fun to mark those. Right. I just wondered, can you explain verse 17 to me, Brother Wing? For how great is his goodness and how great is his beauty. Corn shall make the young men cheerful and new wine the maids. I don't know. Why Why does corn, corn shall make the young men cheerful? You, you seem to like every verse that mentions corn. I do. I do. And I don't know why corn isn't capitalized after the word beauty in chapter in verse 17. So these are questions of the soul for sure. The Lord is going to provide for his, he will sustain his people and provide for them. All right. I like that. That works. Um, Okay. What do you think about chapter 10? There's some interesting, uh, interesting phrases in chapter 10. Would you uh, do some scripture feasts in there? Yeah, I mean, to talk about how the Lord's going to scatter and gather the people, um, there's that really interesting prophecy. Is that in chapter 10? Oh, that's yeah. 11. Sorry. About the 30 pieces of silver. That's interesting. But that's in 11. Um, also, verse 4 of chapter 10, I think, is interesting. I'm not sure. This is, As you can tell, teachers, we might not be the scriptorians you have um, I know that at night you guys have glossy eight by tens of us hanging up. Like these are the guys that know everything about the scriptures. Want to be just like them. Trust me, we we get confused too. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. But the word has power. And so that's like, even when you don't perfectly yeah. understand it, you go in and good stuff happens. Yeah. There seems like to be, that, it seems like verse four is a pretty, I'm, I'm not sure it might. I mean, it's over my head, so it might be over our seminary students' head, or maybe they'll get it. But it's definitely a prophecy about the Savior being the cornerstone. And then the, I really like the footnote for the word nail in verse 4. It takes us to Isaiah 20, 23 that says, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And so, um, anyway, that's kind of an interesting chapter. Yeah, 9 and 10 are both poems. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you've you're back in kind of Isaiah world a little bit. Right. In the way that it's the form of it. Right. Okay. What about 11? Yeah. I just, I mean, what do you think of verse 12 of chapter 11? So let me get verse 12. I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price. And if not forbear. So they weighed for my price, 30 pieces of silver. That's definitely a prophecy of, um, of Christ there for sure. Yeah. So Zechariah to me, the whole book is really interesting to think about how he's got these visions. He's telling the people to encouraging the people to kind of focus and 
uh, turn to the Lord. And, and then he's got these amazing prophecies here at the end, like down mm-hmm. to like specific details um, of Christ's life. And so these are real connections like with the triumphal entry, but then this one too, where we can make these connections with the content of next semester. So, but we're still in the old Testament. Yeah. New Testament stuff. It's amazing. Exactly. Um, all right. We got more prophecies of, of Jesus sprinkled in chapter 12 um, about the, about the death of Christ, um, which are pretty, I mean, which are pretty specific. I think after, cha- after verse nine of chapter, chapter 12, talking about the events of the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. And there seems to be like, I mean, the, you want to talk about Armageddon? Is that, wouldn't that be fun to talk about here? About Armageddon. There's nothing more fun to talk about than Armageddon, really. <laughs> so when, just, you, uh, when you're like, Brother Lawson, what can we do? Can we go bowling? Do you want to go golfing? Do you want to talk about Armageddon? I'm going to choose Armageddon every time. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's not fun, but the nations will battle, you yep. know, in the latter days. 12, 13, and 14 seem to kind of point towards this great and last battle. But the Lord, again, has his ways of doing things for his people, right? right. To protect them, to gather them, um, to uh, help them have profits so that they know what to do, you know, um, and that uh, he will lead them and, and uh, teach them. So there's these three chapters, if they're studying these all together, they'll be able to see um, how the Lord is gathering his people, even amidst the really difficult times like that. Like, So before we get to Zechariah 13, which has a pretty, some pretty powerful verses, let's step back for a second and remember what Zechariah is doing here and who he's talking to. Remember the context here is that he's talking to people who are kind of dragging their feet. He's cheerleading them into starting this new life, rebuilding the temple. Let's get going. Why is he talking so much? Um, wh- why do you think he's choosing the subject matter that he's choosing to cheerlead them and encourage them? Yeah, if they can get if they can get the right long term perspective, yeah, um, then they're going to be able to prepare the way for others recognizing Christ, both his first coming and his second coming. Right, right, and so you have people like. When Jesus came, I think it's important to realize that that there were people that really believed uh, Zechariah that were living in Jesus's day. There was Anna the prophetess and Simeon that when Jesus was born, like they recognized him. The Holy Ghost spoke to them, and they knew these prophecies. They knew that they had listened to the prophets, and so man, this is pretty cool. They they were playing the long game because they had been studying the scriptures and they had been looking forward to something. They the rest probably really hadn't been studying the scriptures or seeing the savior in the scriptures as they studied. So it's difficult, but Zechariah 13, we have this verse that I think a lot of your students will be familiar with. Um, I, I think I, where would you, I think I'd read the, well, it's just verse, it's just nine verses, but I think um, you could have your students read uh, Zechariah 13 and say, where do you see prophecies about the Savior? Where do you see the Savior in Zechariah 13? Uh, and you probably will have a pretty good discussion about verse 6, I'm guessing. 
So I would really look at every word in verse six and have them pick apart those words. Yeah, my thought with combining all three of these 12, 13, and 14 mm -hmm. is, I mean, maybe you want to divide the students up and have a certain group take 12 and others 13 and others 14 and do that very thing. You know, look for the Savior, look for prophecies about him. What are we learning about Christ in these verses? What does Zechariah want us to know about these, about the Lord through the, these passages? Right. Excellent. All right. Um, that sounds good. Anything, do we need to point out anything specific in 14? I think that's, I mean, a good, another great chapter to feast on and, and simply ask your students, what do you learn? Where do you see the Savior in chapter 14? And what do you learn about him? So there's some good ones in there. All right. Um, any, any other things, any other thoughts, Brother Wayne, you want to share? No, I just, they can ultimately see that Christ will, uh, end conflict like he will be the one that ends it so he's going to end it in a grand way with his coming his second coming um, but he can like president nelson encouraged us to do to end conflict in our lives that's mean we're going to turn to the lord to have that conflict in yeah. so here's a big description of it we can take that big description and then put it into our own lives to seek the lord to end conflicts in our lives excellent and teachers just a little uh a little teaser uh, as we're getting closer to Christmas and closer to starting the New Testament, Brother Wee and I have talked, and I think we'll prepare a little something for you to um, maybe transition into the New Testament, maybe talking about the birth of Christ right before the right before you leave for Christmas break. That seems like a good time to talk about the birth of Christ and transition to the New Testament. I think in Arkansas, some of you teachers will probably end on December 20th. In Missouri, our school goes all the way to the 22nd or 23rd even. I'll have to look and see, but we'll have that all. I know you're looking at your pacing guide and kind of panicking, but we'll we'll help you get through the end of the year and hopefully uh, set it up uh, in a way that your students are launched into a great Christmas vacation where they are thinking about the Savior and thinking about the New Testament. All right. Well, thanks, teachers, for joining us on this episode of The Thing That We Do on Fridays. We hope you enjoyed it. And um, if there's anything we can do to help you and prepare lessons, whatever, you know, if you got any feedback for us, as long as it's only positive, we'll uh, we'll listen to it. Um, so <laughs> is that right, Brother Wing? Uh, I'll take all the positive and then you, you can yeah, handle you, the rest. You tell me the stuff you don't like and you guys can tell Brother Wing the stuff that you do like. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, teachers, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. We love your guts. Stay righteous.